welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. What's up, everybody? Uh, my name is C.J. Reynolds. If you've not been here before, and this is Sunday Teacher Talk, and the idea here is that you are, it's Sunday night, teachers get nervous a lot of times on Sunday nights. I know I'm actually nervous about tomorrow because I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so the idea here is that you ask your questions, either I answer them, someone in the comment section answers them. You can have a little back and forth, you can make a friend, whatever it is. That's what we're gonna try and help you out with for the next hour or so. So I'm just gonna wait a second while people are logging on here. I see Richard Royster who, Richard Royster, I tell a lot of people about you and the kind of stuff that you're doing, um, especially when I speak at conferences and there's like folks that are like, I'm a principal, I can't have a vlog or I can't have an Instagram account. I'm like, no man, Richard Royster does. You should check that dude out. Um, Stephen Harm says it's Monday. He's in Australia. It, 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 so it's Monday morning teacher talk in Australia. Uh, Tracy Pinter, anyone else get some snow last night? No, no snow. It's uh, very nice. It was it was nice here today. It's cold. Say? It's brisk. It's, it's brisk. Mm -hmm. It's brisk, baby. Um, who else am I? Look, I'm just seeing people on here and seeing what's going on. Uh, Leah Pratt off tomorrow. I get oral surgery tomorrow, so there's that. Uh, glad I recognized it was Sunday. Nice snow day already. Uh, awesome. Finally made it. What's up, Rob? What's up, F. Weber? Um, Veronica. I like when I see the same people on here. Miss Calls Campers, what's up? I saw your video yesterday that we did on the uh, collab. Um, I did a collab video with a bunch of teachers uh, while I was out in California, and I wasn't initially going to be part of it because I was thought I was going to be away. And then while I was in San Diego, Kate's sleep teacher and I were like, why don't we just film this thing right now? We can put it out together. And Kate lost her footage from that, but I didn't. Um, so look, Let's jump into this. You can ask any question that you want. I don't hold anything back. I'll answer anything that I can. And if I can't answer it, I will push it back to the comment section because I don't I don't know everything. Um, but I do know that, um, well, I know, I know some stuff. All right, uh, sorry, my head is, is spinning. So tomorrow I get to go to school in the morning from eight to nine, then I have to leave. I have to go get oral surgery done, get something done to my tooth. And then I have to go back to school and finish out the day. And I'm just hoping that that's an, even a possibility. So we'll, we'll see about that. But to kick us off, I have a question from um, our friends at Teachers Connect. Teachers Connect is like an online platform. And here's, here's why I think this is interesting because even on here, I, there's a lot of questions I can And so on Teachers Connect, um, one of the ways I can tell that they're growing is that a lot of the questions have answers before I can get to them. And I always look for people first that have no answers. Um, and then I like to answer onto theirs. But I just think that it's fascinating that there's this place that you can like put stuff out there. Like, what do I do to, if a kid won't do this? What do I do if a kid is, is working too quickly? What do I do if I have an angry parent? So a lot of the stuff we talk about on here, but you can make it very specific to grade level. And then that is just fascinating to me. Um, so. Juan Diza is asking the question on there of like, and I've had this kid before, that's why this stuck out to me. Have you ever had one of these students in class that refuses to stop reading when you're in class? So there's just start reading 
and they think that this is a school activity or I'm reading, so why do I have to do anything else? But then like the whole class is reading something else or they're doing something else or there's presentations going on. And she said in her class, I think she was talking about like um, there were presentations in the class, the student wouldn't stop reading, figured that it was, you know, like, I don't know what the heck they were figuring, but guys that I always ask are always like, nah, man, this is like, I'm doing schoolwork, what do you care? And I think, you know, it's it's a little bit hard to argue that, especially in the beginning when you're not really sure what to do with that. And so my, I would just say that we, we are a community working here, right? This isn't just you kicking it reading. And just because you're reading doesn't mean you're learning anything. But what are you reading? Are you reading something on level? Are, are you being challenged by the book? Are you talking about the book? Are you um, annotating when you're reading? Then what are you doing with that information? Because in class, the whole idea is that like school is like a team sport. We're all kind of working together to get somewhere. And so you can't just, you don't just show up to football practice and do whatever workouts you want there, right? You have to do what the team is doing. And I just think that that's, Kind of how I go about that and say that, look, also, I care about your opinion. I care about what you think about this. Because I honestly think that kids do that a lot of times because either they're bored and maybe you have to have that conversation and really think about it and like dive deep into what are you teaching or they're trying to get out of doing something. They think that this is like front, that I'm doing this useful thing. So how can you bother me about it? But it's like, you don't want to be a part of the class because maybe you're nervous about how you will be perceived or you're nervous about that. So you're just trying to front like you just read all the time. So I think that's how I would kind of like go about that. Um, if you want to answer that question as well, you can go right on Teachers Connect and it's right on the first page of like newly answered question or asked questions today. And I don't think I think there was like one answer to that particular question so far, which is why I picked it. So what do you got, wifey? Oh, you on point. Um, Kristen, Ivan, give me a shot. Ivanova is asking, hey, I'm a paraprofessional. First of all, I love paraprofessionals. They do a lot of work that like nobody else wants to do and they like. They're important. I just don't think they get the respect all the time that like teachers do. And I think that they deserve just as much respect. Um, and I work one on one with a boy with autism. How should I deal with teachers not really giving their all for my ESE kids? I don't think there's anything you can, you can't force someone's hand, rather, right? But I think people start caring about others when they see other people doing it, right? When they see it, like I know in my school, <clears throat> let me think. Um, there are, if there's a push, if I see a lot of people caring about one thing, I'm like, oh, I want to care about that as well. Or I'm trying to think of a better example than that. So gosh, I think, I think what you, what you do is you change the way that child is perceived by showing how you feel about them, by you talking about them in a positive light, not just the challenges. I think too many times teachers just talk about the challenges and they want to sort of like, um, and people do this in general, right? Where they want to sort of complain about something. So someone will complain back and then you can just kind of complain. But if you're just talking about how great that kid is, what awesome thing he did, right? You're changing the narrative of what it is like to be a one-on-one with a student, but they're awesome, right? I think a lot of times we think one-on-one just means difficult, just means hard, just means like, like, 
uh, like you're going to go home and just drink a bottle of wine at night, but instead thinking of it as like, I get to do this and be with this child. And like, I think that changes the narrative. And when you do that, I think other people will, you, you, what you're doing is planting a seed in their minds that maybe they could be that for another kid also. And they want to have that connection as well. Uh, Honeybee is saying, any t tips for teaching poetry? Do you teach uh, rap music as part of poetry? So one, I have uh, at least one video on this where I have like, if you go onto my YouTube channel at the top, there's a search bar, just search poetry and a couple of things should pop up. I do teach hip hop as part of poetry, but that is because my students listen to hip hop. If my students didn't listen to hip hop, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't try and push it on them. It's not that important to me. Um, what's important to me is that I'm teaching through the lens of something the students are interested in. So if I taught in an area where most of my students listen to country music, I would break down country music and let that be poetry also, or at least have the argument. Uh, poetry, I think for people that don't like poetry. So I would look up a couple of different things and I can link them below. Can you make a note to link this below? I'm sorry, I feel like you're doing something. Um, in my Amazon store, I have uh, two books. One is called Learn Then Burn, and then there's the the sequel to that, or like the the text that goes with it. And it was put out by a friend of mine, Derek Brown, who has a publishing company called Right Bloody Publishing. And it's modern day poetry that is like, there's like ode to my beatbox or to my boombox. And there's a like a song or a poem about crack squirrels, which apparently is a real thing in the 80s when like squirrels were eating crack vials in Central Park and then they were getting all cracked out and attacking people. <laughs> um, did, did you never know about that? Yeah, it's fantastic. So there's tons of great stuff in just those books alone. And it has like worksheets and follow-up questions. And it's really thoughtfully done by people that really, really deeply care about poetry. So I'll, I'll link that below, but that's that would be like a good jumping off point for you. Patricia T is saying, I have an observation tomorrow to get my credential cleared. I'm a little nervous, but my supported teacher is amazing. So I am thankful. What's the induction process for new teachers in your state? So our state, I had to, so I graduated with a degree in English and I quickly realized that there was zero stuff that I wanted to do with that. So I went back to school and got my, um, it's, it was called like a post-baccalaureate uh, certification. And so I just took a few courses. I student taught and then I think that was part of mine as well, where like you had to get this final sort of observation when you were student teaching, this person would come in every so often. And here's the fun part about it is that my cooperating teacher also saw that the woman who was sort of coming in and checking me out was extremely difficult. She was, did not think jokes were funny ever. She was very, very serious. She looked like she had kind of come out so like she'd finished teaching and was kind of like what else can I do I guess I'll just do this and wasn't really didn't seem passionate about it but he helped me the, my cooperating teacher to figure out that everyone has an in and like everyone you meet even if they're an old miserable curmudgeon they have there's a way you can sort of finesse that and you can find out what it is that um kind of like makes them smile or something that they care about and he reminded me that there's Everyone in the world is afraid of something and loves someone. And so that was, he kind of walked me through that process. And by the end of my time as a student teacher, he like completely built this relationship with this woman. They really liked one another and she would laugh every time she came in. It was like the best observation of her time there and not because of me, but 
because of him. And that really helped me. But what I learned the most was that everybody has an in. Every student that you ever deal with, every parent that comes into your classroom med, everybody has an in. You just have to figure out and keep moving the needle in one way or another to try and figure that out. And then you can win with just about anybody. Um, what uh, Kimberly Wallback is saying, what's up, Kim? Uh-oh. What is that? Are we in a snowstorm? That was weird. It didn't happen on here. Our is it Google doing something? Is Google doing something? Oh, no. I hear the water running. It's the water. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's and we're back. All right. So Kimberly Wallback, what's up? Kim is saying, what is the benefit of working one-on-one -on -one with a student like uh pca what is what is a pca i feel like special education people like to use acronyms all the time i don't always know what they are and i'm not oh, saying she's doing that um but i'm not sure what that is so if you if you clear that up for me i'll answer it i probably should should know that um michael sylvia nice name um i know sylvia is my mother-in-law's name and so CJ, what's the, what's the policy for late work? I am a freshman digging myself huge holes by I not handing, freshmen. I, have freshmen. I, have, I have freshmen digging themselves huge holes by not handing in essay assignments. I don't want to lower my expectations, but I want them to learn accountability. So I don't do late work and I don't do makeup work. So if you don't hand something in, you just chalked it and got a zero. And so I hear what you're saying because what happens is a lot of times you have tons of dudes failing and then it's like well what do i do now like i have so many students failing is it's going to look bad on me and what if everyone's failing at the end of the first trimester it looks like i don't know how to do my job so i would i think one of the things i've learned that helps is when students are doing something trying to give them some time in class to start it um makes it better like sometimes giving it's almost like they're learning how to ride a bicycle, right? And so like, if you just give them that little push, sometimes that momentum helps them go and then they can finish the ride out. But sometimes it's the getting started that's the hardest part. And if you think about it, that's true with anything. If you know you have to do push-ups, it's like just getting started is the drag. If you wanna bake something, if you wanna make a garden, it's always the getting started. So maybe helping them figure out tips and tricks about how to start something like when you go home. So one of the things I do with vocabulary is like, I tell them, go home, and when you set your timer on your phone for two minutes and put it out of your reach. Push a little moon thing on there or whatever, so do, it's do not disturb for two minutes. Anybody can do anything just about for two minutes except for stand and fire, right? So, like, we can do this. Um, then after two minutes of, of you just studying, I want you to test yourself and just see the progress that you made. You had to know one word or, or two words by that time, right? And so if you did that again for two minutes, right? So now we're only still studying for four minutes. Can you double that? And so it almost becomes a sort of like competition or game where you are, that, that's kind of like what you're working on. And then you, that is, that, that's just one way. So what you're doing is you're essentially training kids how to get started on their homework so that they do a better job when they do start doing their homework. Um, Kimberly Wolbach answered, so we'll read oh, the question did. again, and then here's um, personal care assistant. So what is the use of working one-on-one -on -one with with a, with a personal care assistant? So I think I know what you're talking about. Someone who loves Look, I mean, I, I think a lot of times folks just don't want to get into a lawsuit or something like that, but I think 
if it were me and I was that sort of like one-on-one aid, I think a lot of times kids that have a one-on-one either they either need it for behavior or they need it for like the academic piece of it. I love that. And I think and it says um, paraprofessionals who assist individuals with physical disabilities. So like a yeah. yeah. So when I think about the kids that like that, my man Stu at our school, uh, Stu is like a one-on-one aid for students. And what Stu does is he essentially like helps that kid figure out how to navigate the world, like how to make sure that you're advocating for yourself, how to um, make sure that you're writing down your homework every single day, making sure that you're doing your homework every single day, um, helping you navigate relationships where kids have a hard time, like actually talking with other people or sitting down or having lunch with someone like Stu in an, like, he's not like very intrusive either, but he just helps you kind of like on the low, like a, I think of him as like Jiminy Cricket, like just kind of whispering in the kids ears and helping them navigate like, all right, look, you came in the class. It says pre-class on the board. What that means before class, let's make sure we're getting those things out. And then they're on the desk. And I think sometimes just having that sort of focused attention with a kid, it really, really benefits them. And for kids with behavioral issues, it helps them navigate, like, what do I do when I start feeling like this? Like, I'm feeling mad. Now, what do I do with that anger that I feel? How do I navigate that kind of space? So I think that that's just, you know, in my experience, seeing people like that in my school, that's, those are the benefits that I see with that. You're going to read all um, of Miss Calls Campers. Okay. So Miss Calls Campers, I actually have a question in my district's attorney reached out to me and told me that I wasn't allowed to film in my room or associate or associate with my school, which I'm fine with anymore. <clears throat> she said it was a safety concern since people um, would know I had windows and a bathroom. My issue is my school has videos of the school showing the classroom and even more of the school. How can I approach this conversation professionally and get better justification of the compromise or a compromise? I spoke with her on the phone and she was adamant about me not filming in my room. At the same time, my school has those public videos what would you do? Uh, she said, get it. Get it. Thanks, well, girl. We'll get it because you did a video. Yes, I know. So I've, <laughs> I've been it. dealing with this uh, on some level at school. So my, mine is more like our admin believes that the school time is sacred, right? And I think that they're absolutely right. I can't be doing stuff that I'm potentially monetizing, right? Because you have to monetize on YouTube or you don't get your stuff push they kind of like have it in this funny spot but you are getting monetized on something that you're doing during school right and so that is just frowned upon and i get that it makes sense to me um and they want to know that i'm using my time in school for school related activities cool but after school i am allowed to film in my school i think that to me it becomes I, no one can no one knows what my school looks like i don't ever film anywhere that would show like this is how you get to the front door to my classroom and then this is what it looks like and so like if something disastrous were to happen i don't feel like i'm giving a roadmap to that sort of thing um but ultimately you want to make sure that you're that you're being safe so i would even ask the admin um what they think about it and like what like so i depending on how you connect with your admin, I would go to them and say, look, here's what I'm thinking. Um, and we do all these videos anyway, maybe you could even 
make videos for the school, like if they're making videos anyway, perhaps you could step up and say, well, look, I'd be more than happy to even help you with that stuff that you're doing since I have the skill set. But, uh, you know, in order to do that, I'd love to make some videos of my own while I'm at it. And so what you're doing there is sort of like building in leverage so that maybe you can do that. And I think that's just, the, that's the call because I, you know, I just, you're nice. I'm saucy. I would totally go in there and just point out, look, this is the most ridiculous thing that you're asking me because of these clear facts. Like, I just think it's you are what's sassy. good for both. Like, either it's a rule all around and we all uh, like abide by it, or it's a ridiculous rule. Like, there just has That's to probably be a better answer. I think I like your answer I'm better. Saucy. And I don't take people's stuff. So, so you know, <laughs> you're making me a little nervous right now. Sorry. My face is getting all red. Um, so I think that's what I would do. Yo, look, hit me up with that too. Maybe we could talk about that. If you shoot me an email or something like that, we could. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Nice. Mm. It's, it is hard to do. It um, is. I agree. It's tough. Uh, Slim's texting us right now. Okay, I got it. Uh, who are we doing? Um, My diary, girl? But she's got two. It starts there and then kind of goes there. Okay. So diary of a mad black teacher who's my buddy from Chicago is saying, really uh, hi CJ and Jen. So I'm really at a crossroads. I am having stress breakouts and my hair is thinning. This is the first mm -hmm. time that this is happening and I'm on blood pressure meds. So I'm concerned this job, this is job stress. Uh, and jumps on here. Mm -hmm. Frankly, I think this should be my last year teaching. Look, I, you know, I am, I, I don't, I don't okay. make a note of that. We can, we can work that out. Mm -hmm. um, that is, so look, there are definitely times in my life when I felt like school is a huge stress, right? Like right now, even I'm trying to balance like school and YouTube and it's all the stuff I want, right? Like I'm, I'm doing everything I want. I'm, I'm making YouTube content. I'm speaking at conferences. I'm getting product deals lately like we have like four different companies we're working with right now to like get stuff ready for it's all wonderful stuff i'm living in a house i have a dog i have kids but that all requires a level of responsibility and so to be able to do that there is there has to be a level of self-care which i'm very good at pushing off and not really doing because i just get caught up in the work i'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning and start emailing people or doing editing or whatever it is, or, or staying late at school to get schoolwork done. And so, but what that is, is it creates a level, it creates a space where I am not taking care of myself. And so the reason I'm saying I'm talking about me is because I think it relates on some level to you. So, you know, to not teach is that's your call ultimately, but I just think what would it look like if mm -hmm. you had a deeper level of self-care because I think, and I think you know this, I think all teachers know this, that if you go into school and you're feeling like you're at your best, you can take even difficult situations and like they're not as difficult, right? So I know there are days when last week, um, my wife and I had, what did we argue about? I was pissed off about something. 
Something stupid. I think yeah, we ran out of cream in the morning. I think we like ran out of cream oh, for coffee. I had a serious headache for almost like three weeks. And this was yeah. like the beginning of the third week. And we were out of everything in our house for the morning. Yeah. Like nothing was operating. But then I went to go get cream and they didn't have it. Then yeah. I ran to the Mac machine and it was broken. Then I was like like 25 minutes late leaving me for school. And I had like a photo shoot that day at school because I'm getting pictures taken for this website we're working on. Um and it was just like my, it just felt like my head was going to explode. And I know going into school, I cannot start off that way. Cause that's like some kids running down the hallway and I'm like, what are you doing? Slow down. And it's like, you lose your mind over little things. Whereas if I'm feeling great, I can just say something and like handle that shit. And it's like not a big deal at all. So I just think that there's that level of self care. And if you're really like feeling like that, maybe taking time off is a good thing. Maybe, you know, I know but my man. you even take a month off? Like, do yeah, I wonder if there's like a leave. Like, could you do like a medical leave and like take a, a month off or something like that? So, Might be a good move I as well. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Oh. So my man, Mr. Reed, that everyone knows from Twitter and stuff like that, teaches out in Chicago area. I know he took like a month or two off last year because he was like having a really hard time in, in his, his first, first year, <laughs> and then split. And then came back to it. I don't know how easy it was when he came back, but like at least you have that time to like mentally repair yourself. So long answer, short question. Um, and you know, hit me up if you want to talk about that. Like email me and we we can put something together for us. Um, Cavs032 is saying, I'm student teaching and staying up late at night, sometimes until 3 a.m. planning and learning content. Then I wake up at 5:30 to get ready for school. Do I just have to accept that I'll never sleep again? No, because guess what? One day you will have children and you will sleep even less than that. Um, so here's what I think. One, do not recreate the wheel. I, too many student teachers do this. It's not always about what you're teaching. It's how you're teaching it. What is your personality bringing? How are you connecting to students? And just don't make it that hard for yourself. Look for lesson plans online. Look for unit plans online, curriculum maps online. Like, all that stuff for most of what you're teaching, probably somebody already made. And it's not plagiarism in education. As long as you, like anything else, you kind of like say thanks or tell, like if it's necessary, like tell someone that you got it from somewhere. Like there used to be this dude from Kentucky that I stole all kinds of stuff from online. I never told anybody about it because no one asked him, what were my students going to be like? Um, this doesn't look like your work, Mr. Reynolds. Well, actually, I want everyone to know I got this from a gentleman in Kentucky. No, you don't have to tell everybody that. Just take stuff and then use it like in a way that you're going to like it. So what I do a lot of times is when I teach a book, right, I'll print out all these different lesson plans and then I take the pieces that I like and I'll literally tape them to my whiteboard so it looks like that's seen from Minority Report when Tom Cruise is moving files all over the place. Make it into what I like and then put it together and I'm done with it. Do not make things harder than they have to be. You will burn out if you don't take care of yourself. So put a hard out. One more thing, a lot of times, things take as long as we give them to take. So if you give yourself three hours on a Sunday and you say, this is all my work has to get done in three hours, I think you'd be really surprised that if you dedicate yourself and focus in for three hours, how much work you can actually get done so that you have your nights off. Um, but that's what I would do. I would, I remember what that was like. I remember staying up super late, passing out, sleeping in my living room, waking up in my living room, getting things ready before school, going to school and then working literally all weekend to do that. 
but it does pass. You will 100% get past it and it will get better and you will love it um, because going forward, you just keep fixing and making better all those things that you've already come up with and it just makes it 100% easier. Uh, Jaeger Riley is saying, how long did it take you to get comfortable to check for understanding when you're doing individual or group work? Um, if they don't ask for help, I am not sure what to do. So a lot of kids won't ask for help. When I put the expectation out there that um, I will blindly call on you, one, two, that I, I tell kids, look, I never want to help you for more than three minutes at a time. So don't like, that doesn't mean you're your question could be as hard as you think it is, or that you think it's going to take longer than that. But I, th I just remember in high school, some teachers taking like forever, you would come in after school and they were like taking their sweet old time, getting you to learn something that you're like, you could have just done this in two minutes. And I think most things, most help that students need is like a tweak. It's like a shift in the right direction. It's moving the needle. Like I keep saying, in the direction of success or in the direction of progress. So letting kids know that like, yo, look, if you need help, let me know. I'm guaranteeing I can help you out in three minutes or less. And then, that was weird. Um, that was the dog food container. Um, so that's one thing to sort of like be mindful of. And then I think also they are like, checking kids like checking their work checking their tests checking their quizzes and making sure that like you're going over that stuff with them sometimes look kids think they're okay but then when it comes to the test it's they're not okay they don't even know what they don't know and so i think checking for understanding more often even out loud puts kids in the know for like where they are and then i do weekly reflection sheets as also where like kids are reflecting every single week to see like what they learned this week, what they didn't learn this week, what they felt like they could have done a better job of, how they could have done a better job of like like what they missed and how they could have handed in that work. I think check them sort of like, sort of um, reflecting on like their own stuff helps them to learn as well. So I got distracted there because I don't know what just happened in the kitchen, but. Oh, Steve Herms just gave us a, a dollar. Nice, thanks Steven. Um, question. And the question is, what do you think about yelling at students? I just made a video this summer, I think, about yelling at students. So if you just, it's like, I don't know, 20 deep in my, in my feed or something we'll, like that. We'll link it. I think totally yelling, it's, so look, I think it always depends on the kid, right? But when I yell, it is 100% calculated. I never just snap anymore because that leads to me saying and doing things that I wish I didn't do. So if I'm going to yell at someone, and, and also it, it changes the vibe of your classroom. Like if you're feeling good and you're getting through your lesson, you're doing stuff and you're handling things, and then you have to yell at someone, it totally kills the vibe. So if you're like reading a play, trying to get that energy back up is next to impossible. So if I yell at someone, I yell at someone that I know it's going to work with. There are other kids I would never dream of yelling at because I know they're going to flip out. They're not going to respond to it. They don't, they don't respond to that sort of attention. I know in my own life, tough love never worked for me. When people that like, came down on me, it just made me go, bro, I don't even have time for you. Like, I, I, don't, I can't dig your vibe when you're doing this kind of stuff. Um, for me, it was always the conversation of someone saying, here's what I'm noticing. Here's, or here's what you're doing, and I don't like it. 
Let's talk about how we can change this. And that works for me. Never someone yelling at me. And so I think that when I have, there are certain dudes though, that that helps, right? I know that they say certain students with like ADHD, um, they, it is something when you yell at them, it gives them this dopamine hit that it sort of just changes it like changes their chemistry in their mind and, and they can focus better. Now I'm not saying that's every kid with ADHD, but I think it's about learning who your kids are and learning about how you can, you know, what that student needs um, in discipline and in learning stuff in class. Uh, Rebecca Waltz is asking, what's up Rebecca? Uh, she, had the the, she had the teachers connect question a few weeks ago. Hey Reynolds, having a lot of trouble with students not putting supplies back in the right spot in my room or treating my supplies like crap. I spent half of my planning cleaning my room. Any tips? So yeah, I get this all the time, especially get it when somebody else uses my room and then they like keep a mess. Nope, I don't know what we're doing right now. Just go right behind me while you have a snow hat on and a brother's winter coat. Not really sure what's happening right now. Um, so I know, but they look like it's like a. Well, it's cold outside. Is it that cold outside? Yeah, it's really windy and brisk. Brisk. It is brisk. That's what you told Tracy Pinter. So uh, I think one one of the ways I've kind of gotten around this, what I was saying was like other teachers use my room and they make it like a hot mess all the time because their students like leave trash all over the ground. So I'd say a couple of things. One, put someone in charge of it. Like have a couple of kids that are put in charge of putting things away uh, and teach them very specific details about how you want it. So I talk to my guys about how being detail oriented is everything, right? Your girlfriend um, or boyfriend does not just want, just because they like flowers doesn't mean they love roses. So like if you get them the wrong kind of flower, but you're like, no, babe, you love flowers. And she's like, no, I wanted daisies. And you're like, no, but sunflowers are flowers also. It doesn't matter. You got to pay attention to details, right? Someone paints your house or gives you a haircut. You want them to pay attention to detail. And so I talked to those few kids. And then what happens is when we trade jobs, like a lot of teachers do, they have to train the next kid. So when you put my books back, I need them in order. I need them all facing the same way. I need them nice and neat and tidy. And I tell them, it's about me. You're literally saving me from, from my hair turning completely white. Um, and, and I need that from you. I think two, just stopping your class and saying, look, I need you to know that I put a lot of time and effort into this room for me and for you. And when you are dissing my stuff, you, you are, it's, it's hurting my feelings. I also remind kids a lot of times that, and so maybe, maybe don't use this joke, but it works for me. If let's say a kid is in my room and they throw something across the room, they throw something into the trash can. I go, when I'm at your house, do I do that? Nope. And then they always go, you're not ever at my house. And I go, that's what you think, bro. And so they can think whatever they want about that. Or I'll say like, when I'm at your house for dinner, I simply take my plate and put it in the sink and then I leave. Um, I don't leave, I ever leave a mess around. And so that is just my way of like messing with my students, which is what I do all the time. But I think that helps also. And then I think also my room is ridiculously and uh, labeled. Every single thing has a label on it. So you know, like on the black tabletop where the tissue box goes, it's outlined and it says tissues in it. That's where it goes. I just think that that helps especially with teenage boys, because they just don't think about almost anything. I have like almost no students that are detail oriented. So you have to train them to do it. So I think scaling back, 
taking a moment, you know, even if it's five or 10 minutes and saying, look, this is exactly how I want you to do this. Uh, Tracy Pinter, my buddy, is saying, Reynolds, what do you think about the trend of making teachers give out 50% of assignments instead or 50% for assignments instead of zeros for assignments not done or for any assignment scoring less than a 50? You know, that's nonsense. I think it's stupid. Um, my old school used to do that all the time where they would do like, when I taught in Camden, you couldn't give a kid less than 55%. And so here's what I think about that. I think that when we do that, we're teaching kids that they can show up for work and not really work and still get paid. And that's nonsense. I'd fire their ass if they did that and they worked at my place. But I see the rationale is that we don't want kids to dig a deep enough hole so that they'll never get out of it. So maybe they had a beginning, tough beginning of the year, right, for the first three quarters of the year, something like that. And then they want to pick it up at the oh, end. No, There's no incentive. Does it keep happening? I don't know. What's going on with YouTube? It's blustery out, so. It is, no, <laughs> it is blustery and brisk. So I hope that this all makes sense now. Um, so they, what am I thinking of? I think that what I have done in the past is I give zeros to all those dudes so that they know that I'm not messing around. I'm 100% failing you if you don't do something. I'm not giving you 50. I'm not giving you half credit for something that was not done at all. And so they, but at the end of the year, I have provided on occasion, I've given kids like my top number of offenders. I'll say, look, here's the deal. You got to come in after school. You got to work with me. And I'm going to give you this work to make up. But if you show up, 10 seconds late ever if you don't do one assignment to its full completion i nix all of it so it's a hundred percent all or nothing and that has worked now there are kids that have showed up 10 seconds late and you're done you don't get to be in the club now unless unless you were literally helping someone that was on fire in the hallway but i think we're not teaching kids to be sort of rigorous enough or to really take school seriously if we're just going to push them through. And that's, that's but kind Richard of Richard Royster has a good question. So Richard Royster is saying, Richard Royster, he's, is he going to put me in my place right now? Um, the whole 0% is so devastating to grades. Students get three grades at 100, 100, and 0. Yep. Uh, it averages out to a 67%. Does that really reflect what the student knows? How do we get past grades representing compliance? So I think you're right, Richard. And so I think the other part, so if now I'm going to, I'm not changing my, my idea because Richard said that, but I do think that sometimes we can't be hard and fast about any rule, right? Like, so it's, I, I get it. Look, teaching is a lot of times like, I don't allow this in my class ever, ever, ever. And then, but like this kid's going through something. So I don't ever take, let's say, um, late work. But if I know a student is going through something in particular, if I know that they just got diagnosed with something, if I know that someone near or close to them has been sick or ill, or if they just moved here, like there's always room for that conversation. But I think that has to do with, a, with a, each student. I, I think that giving 50% across the board is not a good idea, but I think it always comes down to having the conversation with a student, building a relationship with the student and then figuring out what's best for that student. So that's why if I do make up work occasionally, it's like, it has to be on a case by case basis. It can't just be everyone because there's gonna be dudes that are gonna take advantage of that. And so I, I wanna try and like, uh, not have that happen as much as possible. Um, 
What are some good jobs or opportunities for someone working? Oh, I'm sorry. This is MXT87. What are some good jobs or opportunities for someone working on a teaching degree? In my case, history or social studies. Could I get in order to gain some experience? So um, I think I, I always think that if you're let me see that one more time because I'm, I'm thinking through that because Richard's Richard's comment is, is ringing in my head and I want to speak to that again. <laughs> Uh, I always think that either, I think getting in front of students is the best thing that you can do, right? Because teaching, like learning and teaching college has very little to do with you actually engaging with students. Even when you're doing your practicum, you are observing another teacher and students, and maybe you get to teach like an hour in that whole semester, right? But if you can start tutoring somewhere, start tutoring on your own, like just go on somewhere like Craigslist, you can even make like a good amount of money doing something like that. You could do something like Dada ABC, whom I've worked with before, and I have a whole video about them on my website or on my channel where you're teaching kids online how to learn English that are kids from China. And so it like teaches really like it like pays really really well um and too cool for middle school just did a video with uh dada and oh really and said it they she listed it as like a great job for people wanting to become teachers oh is it on a channel uh-huh. oh so my friend you had a feather on your head was uh <laughs> too cool for middle school just did a video about dada abc what also and i think or uh volunteering finding after school program find like some kind of like uh, YMCA situation in your neighborhood and then work through that. And I think that that gives you some of that, like what it's like to actually work with kids. And then I think that will really inform your classroom practice as well. So I want to say this for the next question, Richard, if you, I would love to know what you think about what I already said, because I think that that would be a much fuller conversation about the late work situation. So let me know what you kind of think about that. And if no one's checked out Richard Royster's channel, um, his YouTube channel, and he's a principal. And so I just think it's interesting the ways that he's trying to like shout out his students and the stuff that he's doing. Um, and even being a part of the community on YouTube, I think is really awesome. Uh, Carly, I almost said, it's Cardi G. I almost said the rapper's name, but um, Reynolds, just finished student teaching fourth grade and loved the age slash or age range grade. I'm now placed in a first grade classroom where things are vastly different. Any tips on survival, if there are any? Look, I think, you know, that is tricky. You know, I I was talking to, who was I speaking to about this? I want to say it was Bridget from the lettered classroom. And she was saying like, look, when you think you want to teach like second grade, if you get a job at a school that's from K to six, like, you could you could be anywhere in there you don't you're never guaranteed a second grade position so i think that um you just make the best out of it like just meet those students where they are and find out what they're interested in what they think is funny what they think is cool and then try and work with them and then they will one day be those fourth graders as well that you loved so much but only because someone put work into them on the front end and so just meeting them where they are and realizing that like things are way different, but they have to learn all those skills, like how to behave and how to learn stuff and how, what they're maybe without, maybe you don't tell them what their learning style is, right? Cause they might not be able to pick up on that yet, but 
like help them sort of figure that stuff out and helping their parents navigate this new world of what it's like to be in first grade. It's like the first time you're in school, maybe all day or that you actually have homework or whatever it is. So I think just more than anything, I think what makes people survive is self-care and learning how to have fun at what they're doing, no matter what it is. I've had a ton of really shitty jobs in my life that I have had a, literally had a blast doing from a forklift driver to the greeter at Home Depot to the early morning ticket ripper guy at the dollar movie theater that I had like four people come into a day. Just figuring out how to best have fun and smile all day just makes it contagious and it makes you enjoy anything that you're doing. Um, so that's what I would do. Two part. All right. Uh, Esther, Esther Lynn. Rayanne. That is a long name. Um, I don't, and I'm not sure I'm saying it right. But anyway, um, I like that name, Esther Lynn. So Esther Lynn is saying, help. I teach high school geometry inclusion as a SPED teacher. At first, my co-teacher and I shared responsibilities. But lately, my co-teacher has taken a backseat in the classroom. And shit, there was a second part to that, correct? Yes, I am doing most of the teaching, planning, grading, etc. What should I do? I know this is a tad unusual. So no, not unusual. I've had like seven co-teachers in the last three years. And right now I have someone that I'm really, like we work well with, but we're still trying to figure out that dynamic. I, I, and a lot of that is me. I think that I have not been able to like hand something over, especially because he's in another class during the day and he teaches his own thing. So I feel like I should have the brunt of it but i would say just tell them like look you know here we are let's do like a check-in here's where we are we're um in october as part of this year and like what do you think's working what's not working and then how can we best divvy up like from what we know so far how can we divvy up this work so that like we're both like doing what we're good at and we're both sharing the load and i think like talking about it like that like there's not you're not necessarily noting that there's a problem yet. And if they say like, I don't want to do any work, maybe then you bring it up. But like, largely, what's the situation right now? Like, how can like, let's take a look at it and then figure out how to best move forward so we can have the best year ever. I think that that's just how I would go about it. Like, um, just like that. Uh, Kimberly Wallback is asking, how do you support the kids and not feel like a babysitter? Uh, I think... I think that has to do with your own like mindset. Like, what are you thinking about in terms of this, right? Like, are, do you, are you feeling like a babysitter or are you feeling like, no, I have this opportunity to work with young people and do this really like noble thing, which is like to teach them and to meet them where they are and to really, really listen to them and to um, help them navigate the tricky waters of like what it means to be like someone growing up and just look at it like that. Like it's you, you change the narrative of things and, and it changes everything. So Seth Godin, I was reading just today, actually was saying like, if you beat yourself up all the time, because you don't do well at something, you don't go to the gym, you don't wake up early, you don't pray enough. You don't, um, you don't watch what you eat. You yell at your students too much. But if you instead flip the narrative and start thinking about how many times has it worked? How many times have I done the right thing? How many times did I get up early and go to the gym? Or did I pray last week? Or did I do something nice for someone last week without um, anything in return? 
right? So like when you change that narrative, it really changes your ability to like feel, it goes from like feeling like crap and beating yourself up to actually feeling better and thinking like, yeah, all right, I am moving in the right direction. So that's what I would do. I would just change the narrative in your head. And that, I, that literally changes things for me when I can, when I decide that like, nope, this is what I want, or this is what I, I like, I'm, I'm changing the way it looks and choosing how I'm going to think about this. It changes everything. So I, I hope that works. And my gosh, sometimes I just want to like have conversations with people because look, to be honest, like you're asking me a question, I'm asking you, I'm, I'm responding back, but there's always, I feel like a follow-up to that. And email makes that tricky. Like, well, I feel like once I send an email out, it's like, it goes in the done file, but a lot of times people send follow-up emails and I just, it would be so much easier to just have a conversation, but it's just hard when there's so many people. Um, so. Did I not get there? Oh, no. Came out in order. I, I just answered oh, that one. Bro. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I Come on, dude. Dude. Uh, here we go. I just splashed water all over my face from drinking it from a cup. Um, this is Hale's teach. I like that I'm watching myself <laughs> after the fact, splash water all over my face. How do you get the boys in your classes to become independent and not need you so much? Um, oh gosh. Outline the tissue box and the stapler. I know. Geez, I'm like, I'm like making it so easy. Um, I think by having the conversation with students, right? Teaching, I think one of the things that my students have to learn in, in ninth grade especially is their parents don't wanna hover so much anymore, right? They want their kids to start learning how to be grownups, especially because they're four years away from college or from a trade school or from something else where they're like not going to probably just be living in their house for, for so much longer. Teaching kids to self-advocate is extremely important. So. Sometimes if someone asks for like something like, Reynolds, can you help me do this? Or how do I do this? Or um, wh whatever it is that I'm making easier for them saying like, nope, but let's stop this for a moment. And I want you to do it for yourself. So this morning, usually my son acts like Will Farrell and wedding, wedding crashers and just yells on the couch that he wants breakfast, right? It's not, it's not the best parenting move that I do this every day, but I just love my children and I just want them to be able to sit there and be comfortable and I go get your breakfast for you. It's something I, I enjoy doing. Um, I need a big sign that says sucker. Yeah, I, it <laughs> is. But listen, let's talk about your Christmas spending then because you no. always do that and you go, I just love the kids, right? That's There's, different. I'm spoiling no, them. I, I You're know. making him lazy. I'm not making him lazy. I'm spoiling him also. I love him. So anyway, I think this... Oh, that's oh. not amazing. <laughs> and if we didn't have a thumbnail already, there it was. So I think uh, what I, what I did today was I'm like, dude, I'm already doing something. So let's just I want you to learn how to do this yourself. Come out here and you can put your own waffles in the toaster oven. It's not a hard dig gig to do. So I just think noting the moments and letting them know, no, right now we're gonna learn how to do this ourselves. We're gonna like be grown up ourselves. We're gonna like move the needle towards towards maturity a little bit and just noting the moment instead of trying to come up with a whole new fancy plan on how to do that it's like just noting moments sometimes um that just makes me think of how like when we used to talk about uh uh um when we didn't spend enough time together and i would so when we did spend time together we had to like note like we, we are spending time together right yes. now so that it didn't just go by us and we thought about how it never happened. 
What is that crazy madness on the bottom? What's going on with YouTube? You're freaking out over here. It's the matrix. The computers are taking over. It's Skynet, I think. Uh, I don't even know what the hell is happening. Yeah. Does what everybody else see a green thing There's some the kind of crazy green stuff going on in the bottom here. Uh, Katrina Northman is asking, that's a very strong name. How do you deal with or address students who will not calm down in class? I'm substituting for two weeks, and these sixth graders are apparently the most disruptive kids at this school. Uh, look, first of all, if you're subbing, it can just be difficult, right? And, and I think that's part of the reason that I didn't substitute was because I didn't have time to build those relationships. That being said, if you're going to keep substituting in that school, it is worth building relationships with those students because you will be back around again, or they'll at least see you in another class or see you in the hallway or whatever. So I think about sometimes going over to kids and saying, this is what I'm noting. And this is my expectation. My expectation right now is that this is exactly what you're doing, but you're doing this one-on-one. -on -one. And so even if the class is madness and you're sitting with one student and you're saying, I need your help, or I need you to do this, right? What you're doing is like, you're taking away the audience and you're just speaking to one kid. And so Ray Vestwith calls this teach like your hair is on fire, where you're just hyper focused on a kid that literally your hair could catch on fire like it did to him one time and um the, and you don't break focus right so that's what i think i would do is letting kids know that and working one-on-one -on -one because that's the only way if you're gonna fight 50 people and you're in a kung fu movie you got to fight one person at a time you cannot fight all 50 of them at once but once you knock them down you can sort of like and that's not a really great metaphor because then insinuates that you're punching students but like um you get the idea like you're working on kids one on at a time and i think that's how you eventually scale to have success um stephen herms is saying what is saturday school for me saturday school is once every every third saturday or every fourth saturday something like that we have saturday school at my school which is um students that are not passing uh, that are filling two or more classes are required to come to Saturday school, but it's open to anyone. You can essentially just come in and get like free tutoring or get help on a, an assignment um, or oh, talk to, are we freaking out again? Yeah. It's a snowstorm again. Yeah. It's just like in Rudolph. That's what that it's actually looks like. Back. So that's what we do. And we just offer it on Saturdays and it's only three hours. It's like from nine to 12 or something like that. So it's like fairly easy. My kids usually come in with me. People bring their dogs. You don't have to get dressed up or anything like that. You just wear regular clothes. Um, and it's nice. It's a good time to actually build relationships with students. We played Fortnite at the end of Saturday school the other day. Uh, Mary White is saying, hi, Reynolds. My principal observes my classes a few days a week. He compliments, he compliments me later, but always throws me in the moment. How do I keep going in the moment and focus on the kids. I'm just realizing like that doesn't matter that, you know, here's the problem with observations is that I used to have someone that came in and observed me for five minutes at the beginning of class. And they'd be like, wow, you're not doing this, bro. Cause you were there for five minutes. Like you can't see everything. And so I would maybe, so if your principal is just stopping by, I would maybe go to your principal and say, Hey, on Thursday, I'm doing this lesson. And about 10 minutes in, this is what's going to be happening. Would you mind coming in? And I'd like for you to just see that. I'd like to just get your feedback on it. Or, hey, um, 
I notice that like you always come in on like these certain days where I'm not doing something that I really, really want feedback on. Would you mind if we coordinated days every once in a while? And then what that's going to do is show them that one, you are being like you're motive, you're motivated to want that sort of thing. You're showing that it's not something that you're afraid of. And then putting them in the know that like you're not going to see everything when you just show up all the time. But like because some days it's like when we do, I get observations sometimes. And we're like independently reading in class. So everyone's just working quietly or they're taking a test. And it's like, that's not a cool thing to get observed on. What I want to get observed on is like how I'm handling classroom discussions or group work. And I'm trying to like, because doing that is like spinning plates in class, how we're doing with um, some sort of activity or something that we're doing. So I would go and ask for certain days if they would come in and then just see kind of how that works. So you're like, kind of like taking the power and, uh, and leveraging it instead of like them just wielding power. Uh, bro, I'm all, I always I mess up your name. I'm so sorry. I think it's TN Tran, uh, but is asking, I'm being encouraged to practice guiding students to more independent learning self-motivation. How would I balance this with direct instruction? Any experience or advice? I think, oh gosh. Um, uh, Cho just talked about this the other day in class. So I think it comes down to trusting that students are actually going to do it. And I think the hardest thing for teachers is that you are sort of relinquishing control and letting students do something that they are guided by. So it's like, but I mean, look, one of the best things that you can learn in school, and this might, this might uh, influence what you're doing, one of the best things that you can learn as a student is how to learn and how to deeper, further your, your understanding in something. Um, and that's essentially what you're doing. So I think you're sort of like giving kids choices and then letting them pick which rabbit hole they want to go down, but then having them come back and report on what they learned. And then they're essentially teaching the other students. I used to do this with vocabulary. I used to do this with grammar, with like, if someone didn't, if like my class didn't know how to use semicolons, it was like someone's job to learn that. And then they would teach a short lesson to the class on how to use semicolons. And I think that's also a really great way to learn is by teaching someone else. So that's why I would just try with those students. Um, do you have paid collaboration time? Um, I'm not exactly sure what that means. So Kendra, this is Kendra Norton. Do I have paid collaboration time? Like YouTube or actual? Yeah, school. like flush that out for me a little bit, and then just I'll, I'll answer it before we're done the feed. Um, um, who's the next one? Melissa P. It's three parts. Melissa P. Three parts. I love your channel. Thank you very much, Melissa. I really appreciate that. I teach at a very small private school, and I have close relationships with my students. And uh, I hear about uncomfortable situations students are dealing with at home. How do you deal with not bringing all that stuff home at the end of the day? Uh, and then I find myself upset out of school thinking about difficult situations my students are dealing with, and that can affect my mood on my time off. Any advice? So Richard, Richard Royster is also answering this. Yeah. I think one, I just had a conversation with someone about this the other day. It was a first year teacher and was feeling like, kids were really opening that stuff up. One, again, changing that narrative. I always tell kids it is an honor that you would share something with me that like, I'm just like some dude that works in the school. And that if you would come to me and speak to me about something really heavy that's going on in your life it is a complete honor to me that you would do that. So I, I thank you like deeply from my heart. Two, I think you get used to it over time. Like the kids will tell me things now where like, uh, 
So I, and let me say this, and this is an extreme case, and it may sound callous, but I assure you that it, it is not, and it, like not in my heart. I know, I know where I stand on this. Um, last year, I had uh, several students get shot, and so in our school, I think we had th- three. We had three boys die from from uh, gunshots from situations, and another student that was very, very close to me that uh, was shot many times but didn't die. He he survived. My thought in the beginning of my career when this would happen was like crushing, was like depressed, was like didn't know how to kind of keep doing the job. Now, when this happens, um, I immediately go into how can I serve mode? Like, how can I serve in this situation? What do we have to do? Like, let's mobilize. Let's get teachers together. Let's figure out what we can do for these students who are really, really going to need our help to navigate this tricky time in their life. And then in doing that, you are empowered. And I think whenever you can become empowered by something, it is, it is far, you're in a better place, right? And it doesn't mean don't be sad. Like you're going to be sad. And I think let yourself feel that. But then on the uptake of that, it's like, how can you learn more to prevent that? How can you learn more on how to like listen to students on how to help them navigate? How can you help your school find places for students to like, um, either have peer mediation or have some kind of unofficial therapy or have therapy or like, how can you surround them with goodness and make your school a magical place where kids are feeling cared for that, that you can't solve all the world's problems, but you can do something that's going to make these students' lives better. And I think that that's how I would just go about it is like having that feeling mobilize you instead of immobilize you where you're thinking like, shit, somebody just went through something really, really painful or difficult or at home, they have this horrific situation or they've been thrust into foster care. What do we do now? I think you do what you can and you'd be really surprised at how far a little bit of kindness can go for students. Um, And so that's what I would do with that. What do you got, buddy? Um, Matt, oh. Uh Uh-oh, did you lose it? No. No. You got it. Kind of. Oh, I can't get it over Maddie. Uh, Maddie Kasich, Kasich? 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 Okay. is saying, Maddie is saying, uh, <laughs> what do you do? What do you think about retention? I have a student who never does their work and is repeating eighth grade for the second time. Um, I think, so look, I think it depends on the kid. I think some, like all things, like I think the most rules that are across the board are just like, they're for vanilla kids. And then what do you do when you have a kid that's not vanilla? What do you do with the kid that's not like middle of the road? And like, and when I say vanilla, I mean like um, the average child, right? So what is this kid's gig? I think sometimes one, I think retention can be a really good thing. I've had students that have totally taken charge. So um, some of my favorite students actually ever, whose names I won't say here, but like they've been in my videos. I talk about them a lot are guys that have gotten left back, but they've chose to have that themselves like be empowered. One of my favorite students of all time, I didn't even know until late in his junior year, he got left back. He was a twin. His twin went on to college and he was left back um, in high school again. But that year he went to Costa Rica with me. He went and made Gary Vaynerchuk with me in New York City. And we had some other amazing event. And had he not gotten left back, those things would have never happened. And he like, 
when we were at VaynerMedia with Gary, meeting Gary Vaynerchuk, he pulled me aside after having this wonderful experience. And he's like, Reynolds, I truly love you. Like really, really love you. And, and, and I, and we talked about how like none of this would have happened if he didn't get left back. I think then also teaching kids to reverse engineer their life, um, which speaking of Gary Vaynerchuk, there's a Gary Vaynerchuk saying, but like reverse engineering their lives so they can see like where they're going. Because if you can get a kid to believe in themselves, right? Maybe that takes an extra year, but if you can get them to believe in themselves, um, they can, can actually do something and move forward and feel like this was a power move. Like, yeah, I got left back, but like, how am I going to like feel empowered by this so that I can get done what I need to get done and move forward confidently? Last question at the very bottom. Before you start that, Richard Royster commented back to you and there's somebody else that had made, like, I don't know if you have time to answer those, but it's six. For that, for watch one. Zeros. Oh, okay. So look, um, my wife is just pointing out that like Richard Royster had a bunch of interesting things to say in terms of um, what to do about kids giving them a zero or giving them a 50%, like if they don't hand in work. And there have been some other comments. I don't have time to dig through and, and, and speak to those now, but I'll definitely read through the comments later, like I do every time I'm done these feeds. Uh, so it might spark a video. yeah, it might spark a video. And then also, um, if you're leaving stuff and I'm not saying anything back to it, know that I go through this and read all of this stuff when I'm done. So it never goes like unseen. And who's this? Anastasia? Anastasia Teasley is saying, I am also super unconventional. I'm in my eighth year teaching ELA, all years teaching at-risk students or at-risk kids, but in a new school teaching remedial ninth. Majority refuse to participate. Any ideas on amping the Odyssey? I think Look, the Odyssey is like is the blueprint for like almost every for the hero's journey, right? It's like I think tying in the hero's journey and connecting it to kids' lives. Like, what have you been through in your life that has been an Odyssey? Like, how did you, especially at-risk kids, have had to deal with and navigate troubling waters their whole lives? One of my favorite things to do is a life map. <clears throat> in ten events between birth and now. How did you become the person that you've become? Something great happened. Something amazing happened. Something hard happened. Someone died. Someone was born. You moved. You started a new sport. You won a championship. You lost a championship. Um, you met a friend. You met a girlfriend. You broke up with someone. You know, uh, your mom got remarried to someone great. Your mom got married, remarried to someone not great. But all of these things have you've had to navigate in your life. And so what you're talking to kids about is like, how have they been the hero of their own story? And I think that that ties into the Odyssey. Like Odysseus is not perfect. He's a hot mess most of the time and he gets himself in trouble all the time. But through careful care and consideration and sometimes luck and help from others, he's been able to figure this stuff out so they can take control of his own life. And then how are your students going to do that? And I think when you, when you make lessons and connect them to who the students are, it changes everything. What'd you have on there, dude? What did you have? Here, okay. I, well, you yeah, you had two, but I gave her a video, and then if you want to answer that one. And then uh, this one at the bottom, Veronica? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is our last question for the night, but if you have other questions, you can shoot me an email, but let's see what, what's going on here real quick. Um, Veronica Z is saying, what do you do with a student who's really um, superly, excels? Superior, su superiorly. Superiorly. 
I'm really I'm good at reading tonight. I'm just going to tell you that. Excels in a subject that is essentially bored because the student, the subject is too easy and there are no higher courses. Uh, he could teach better than me. So I think I've had a couple of those students. I think you give them their own work. I think you, you amp it up. I think you grade them on a different level and you let their parents know that that's a thing. I know that some schools have like their special education department um, deals with kids having IEPs that are like kids that are far and beyond like the, they're advanced and so there's ieps for those students so maybe contacting your special education department um and if not order books or look up lessons that you think that kid could do um to, to kind of move them ahead i know in the past my friend randy rebuy i remember used to uh meet with a student um every day it was like a, a part of this kid's learning was that every day he met with him and he had his own one-on-one -on -one time instead of just having an english class and what they did was like really hone in on this kid's writing and his reading ability and like so that he could move at his own pace. And so you're essentially like trying to help a kid move at their own pace. And remember, like just like students that are lower, have a lower reading level or lower writing level than everyone else, kids that are above can feel very lonely also. Like most kids just want to blend in. They just want to be the same as everyone else. They don't want to stand out. And so when you do on one end or the other, I think it can be a really lonely place. And so I think if you keep in mind that kids that are just really bright or that get material really easily um, can feel like that as well, like it changes, it changes how you kind of handle that too, because you want the best for them. You want them to excel. You want them to feel fulfilled and not like they're like a weirdo or something like that as well. What are you looking at? Tell Latoya Garner, she said the link doesn't work. I tried to link your video of like, um, why, like your, about cursing. Oh, so uh, Latoya, what I'm going to do is as soon as this is done, I'll go in and I'll link it in the comment section or not in the comment section below, in the description box below. So you can just click on it and the link will go right there. So look, that's it for this evening. I got to go uh, get ready for tomorrow. And then I have to, because I have to go get oral surgery, like I said. And so I have to make sure everything is planned out. Um, and then look, if you have any other questions, also Teachers Connect is a really great way to, to sort of do that, to go onto their website, to connect with other teachers and educators and see if they have what you need there as well. But look, everyone, I love you. And I'm really, really thankful that you would even come on here every week. I really deeply appreciate it. And I appreciate all the work that you're doing. And the fact that you even spend an hour with some dude from New Jersey and try and figure out what's best for your students. Like know that that is a really, really big deal that you are going above and beyond talking to strangers on the internet, um, just so you can be the best you can be for the students tomorrow. So, uh, or for the students today, if you're in Australia. So uh, that's it, gang. I hope you have the greatest week ever. Peace.